It's time for Cofield and Company. I am Steve Cofield. I don't give a f- Alongside Adam Hill. You guys are a bunch of jerks and you can't handle it. I f- that guy. Blame you for not being a freaking adult about things. I'm giving a f- what that guy thinks, what he has to say, or what he writes. Now, here's Steve Cofield. Don't give a f- Here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. LV Ballpark is the location. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield, Jed is on the scene. UNLV Baseball is on the scene. Hawaii Series this weekend. You have a whole series here at LV Ballpark. Come on out tonight, 6.05 first pitch. Games tomorrow and Sunday. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. We are thankfully in the shade. Because it's a bit steamy out. I've been actually complaining off the air. You know, our uh, gigantic fancy house that we have, Casa de Cofield, has a pool. And I always like to start the pool season as early as possible. Sure. But I haven't been able to, uh, well, you know, you don't want to turn on the gas and the heater to heat up the pool and do it like in a phony way. So I've been waiting to open the pool. And it, you know, it's open a, like it's there's an official. Oh, it's a big day, day? Okay. dude! It's a big day. Uh, I'm out there every day, man. I, I, I do a little bit of work on that backyard every day. Get it ready, you know. Doing the pH. I have no idea what I'm talking about. We have a pool guy. I would. I, it would be green if I did it. But the weather's been so uneven, like you know. I guess uh, first world people problems here. Yeah. Complaining about the temperature of water, right? For sure. But the the weather's been so uneven. The water hasn't been uh, that warm. So last night I went in. I mean, and, and I've been complaining that it hasn't been warm enough. Now it's 95, and I'm like, ah, we got to work outside. But we're in the shade. Um, by the time first pitch is here, it's going to cool down a little bit. And remember, you know, if you just moved to Vegas, get ready. Like your buddy who covers uh, uh, Andy for the paper, who covers UNLV, I've been warning him because he's, you know, been out at football practice. And I'm like, bruh, get ready. Because he came here from Washington, right? I'm yeah. like, get ready. Because the summer, it comes, and it just comes in waves. And until you're used to it, um, you know, I, I think – you used to it by now? You've been here forever. Like, for me, 110 is nothing. No, each year. But, but you know, if we're doing shows outside, we, we've, we've had cases, because we love doing road shows, we've had cases where the equipment started to melt. Like, crap, you not. Sure. Like, I remember we were, I think it was, what was the Stallone? Uh, was it Stallone and De La Hoya did, like, the, uh, the reality show for boxing? Contender? That, yeah, the Contender. Yeah. And we were near some, like, I don't know, soundstage slash, you know, giant space in in the back of Caesars and it was it was like 117 and I'm I'm actually fine being out there but I looked at the equipment I'm like oh boy I'm like we're not going to make it through the show this stuff's going to blow up in our face yeah for some reason I remember doing a show like at Fremont Street where we were outside and I just remember yeah, it there's, like, been, there's been a couple being insanely just but how you're, is but the you're under the dome it cools it down no. like no no, no it doesn't nuts. end there and there'd be like no breeze either I'll, I'll go one step further I mean the pool, I guess the weather is contingent. Like, I've, I'm have i making a drive, and I was actually thinking, like, yeah, should I drive at night? 
or do I mind during the day? I'm like, ah, during the day it shouldn't be too bad. Not that, I mean, you're in the car, there's air conditioning, it's fine, but you just don't like the bright on you the whole drive. Yeah. Well, and, you're going, you're going to what, Phoenix for USC. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think the weekend is supposed to cool down, so. Well, that's, that's. No, no, actually was, tomorrow's supposed to be in the 90s again and Sunday's going to cool down. But that's what I was getting Windy. at of like. Windy. The planning out, like, I don't want to, if, if it's 105, I don't want to really be driving right now, like, during the day. I don't know why, just for some reason. And I was like, ah, I think it'll be fine. It won't be too bad. And then today I was driving like, yeah, it's it's hot. It's hot right now. Get ready. I know. Get your AC checked in the house in the car. Close the sunroof, I guess. Get ready. Oh, life without the sunroof. We we know that's why your head's all burnt all the time. It's true. No, it's actually from the draft. Did you comb your your hair the right way or not? I know you had uh, hair combing issues at the draft. Uh, That's that's what you were claiming. Your head got burnt. I mean, I think it's just that you're going bald. But it thins out and you don't realize it. That's when when you spike up the hair. Okay. Uh, Just keep then, going with this. Yeah, that's that's what happens. All right, I learned, it up. Lesson learned last year. You had to slick it back, uh, Adrian Brody, Pat Riley style. Which, by the way, I forgot <laughs> to put your whole winning time breakdown <sighs> in our rundown today. That's a reminder to myself. we got to add that. So you good. had a lot of notes. So winning good. time on Sunday was was very good. Such a good show. Uh, so I got to uh, yesterday for a second. I figured you, you probably got a kick out of this. Maybe you didn't. Um, what did you think of the whole conversation about Draymond Green and Mad Dog Russo on first take with Stephen A. and J.J. Redick. And Mad Dog kind of did a bit that he's done forever where he's like, pipe down. No one wants to have him, yeah. And he was doing that on TV. I don't think Redick knows who he is. So this was Redick's response as they were talking about Draymond Green going at, I guess, old guy Mad Dog Russo. The people on Fox News talk about athletes that way. Well, that's I mean, that's I my mean, issue. Fox News that's is, my issue. I, I don't actually care about the fans that watched Bob Cousy play right. or watched Wilt play. I don't care. Right. I appreciate that they've been NBA fans that long, right. but I don't appreciate the undertone. Okay. First of all, what was the undertone? So I, I listened to you and, and John had this conversation yesterday, and I think you kind of missed the point a little bit. Never. Of He wasn't accusing Mad Dog of – being racist he was accusing the people that mad dog speaks to of being racist which i'm going to say is we can't say with certainty most likely true it's it's that people that have been watching blanket statements are weak if somebody says to me because i have done this experiment i've talked about this on the air i liked basketball better when guys like koozie were out there that's not what he's that's not and those then then you missed the point of why he mentioned those by the way Bob Cousy sucks at basketball. And I'll say it right now, and go back and watch it. Reddick. Bob Cousy Reddick. sucks at basketball. Reddick, he does. Reddick brought that up a couple weeks ago saying He's he was going against, you know, terrible. the butcher and the baker and the he candlestick maker. does not know how to use his left hand. He does not know how to create that's, shots at all. I know, but that's not the point here. It is, because people are like, that's when basketball was better. No, and, but here, I'm going to also relate this to winning time. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna point this out that I think that yeah. they're because because one of the things Mad Dog said is they like guys like Bill Russell and Wilt, and and I think that there was a certain level of of you know it's it's players that behaved a certain way, and I think that in in one of the things about Winning Time is it's not a documentary it's not 100 percent true and I'm sorry to relate it to this but it does tie in it's not 100 percent true but you see characters portrayed a certain way and you see people say that's not how they were. You didn't know because you didn't have social media and you didn't have TMZ and things like that covering sports back then. And you didn't know what guys were like off the, off the court. And you didn't have countless press conferences. You didn't have access to everything guys said. And so you might understand them a certain way, yeah. and that wasn't how they were. And so you just have a different 
remembrance and a different interpretation of how you, guys you, behave. You glamorize it. Sure. You glorify it. Sure. I mean, anyone, anyone who brings up the 80s and thinks it was an era without issues, you're insane. The, 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 actual, the league is actually filled with more professionals now than, than 40 years ago. Of course. It's not even a question. And yeah, most of the stuff – have they embellished a bit or blown it up a bit? Most of the stuff that's happening in winning time, I mean, rampant drug use, and that's a fact. Sure. I mean, both leagues had players go to go into the justice system because there were so so many issues with cocaine. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously there was, I, there probably still is, you know, rampant womanizing. Yeah, when people glamorize old eras. Um, no, I, the way I took it was Reddick heard – Mad Dog say, no one wants to hear Draymond talk about how much money he has and that the fines don't matter. Yeah, he said shut up and play. Right. But to to me to equate that with Fox News and Laura Ingram trying to shut down LeBron James for having an opinion on stuff outside of basketball, that's different than some loudmouth you know, sports talk radio host with a bit, you know, basically saying anytime he doesn't want to hear someone, you know, basically shut up, pipe down. Yeah, it, so I think it, I think Reddick got caught up. I honestly, I think Reddick looks at he hears Kuzi and he gets triggered. He looks at Mad Dog, and frankly, Mad Dog is not an NBA guy. He never has been, but he looks at him and he's like, "This guy's an old jackass." Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not fair and, either. Well, and he's citing, but I, I think it's more he's citing old jackasses. Yeah, I talk to people. I talk to people, and they liked Kuzi. Like, okay, dude. Like those people liked which, that era that, for a certain reason. Which, by the way, I think Mad Dog was born in like. 59 or 60 like you, you didn't you were you didn't watch russell stop you're like are these great memories of him at 11 cut it out Maybe. that was funny too where it's like i know basketball fans who've been rooting in the you know, watching the nba for 60 years well let's let's not use 85 year olds as right. the main reference point it's, on discussions about draymond green it's, it's it is so a, it is a different era it's so and i can tell you uh you know again I wasn't old enough to remember, but as time went along, we found out that Wilt Chamberlain was very outspoken later in his career and post-career. And Wilt, with the opportunities athletes are afforded now, would have been a super pushback oh. guy. And he would—he was hated already. Wilt just played the game. He, no, he, would, he was hated, and he would have been he, hated even more. He played the game, now. went home by himself, and worked on his game more. And then uh, he practiced, and then practiced again, and then played his game and didn't do anything outside the court. Bigger shocker in our major league sports news around Vegas today that Kelly McCrimmon is back as the GM for the Knights or that Dan Ventrelli is out after a very short stay, not overall, but as the uh, the prez of the Raiders. So the Raiders prez is out, very abrupt, brief message, <laughs> and uh, GM KM is back. Is there anything better than the Mark Davis brief email? Yes. <laughs> He's when gone. That's when, all we're saying. When there's right. major news, and it's usually because a president is fired. That's twice now in the last year. Uh, you just get the emailed statement. This time, not all caps. So maybe learned a lesson from, from that one. Uh, I think that's a little bit more surprising. I, I mean, I know that the you know the Golden Knights fans are clamoring for change, and it's poten there's potentially some changes that can still be made. But um, I, I think that there's a general thought McCrimmon – was going to be back. Ventrelli, I think when you examine it a little bit further, maybe it's not that surprising, but certainly the timing just out of nowhere on a Friday news dump, just he's gone. He's out. Here's an email, two sentences, and we'll see you later. Well, I want more answers on this. What the hell is going on? We're going to talk to Stanford Route, the former Raider. We'll get his take on it. Adam will tell us what he thinks, and obviously we'll get into uh, more of what McCrimmon's return means for the coaching staff 
and the roster with the Vegas Golden Knights. We're getting ready for a UNLV baseball game, a series here against Hawaii, three games. LV Ballpark is here. If you haven't been here, it's a great opportunity to come out. Ticketmaster.com, 605 first pitch. So come on out, watch some baseball. On the way back, we will get uh, more on what happened or what's happening with VGK and the Raiders, but we'll have a sit-down with uh, one of the real good players on this Rebels roster, Adarian Williams, is up on Cofield and Company. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas as we're at LV Ballpark getting ready for a UNLV baseball game, a series against Hawaii. One of the great players on the team is E. Darian Williams, Rancho High School guy, tons of locals on this hustling Rebel team. All righty, Darian, let's get into the season so far. 17-7 and seven in the Mountain West Conference. Give me your call on how you guys have played so far. I think we've done a good job of sticking together as a team. I mean, when we've had some adversity, I mean, a la last weekend we got swept, we come back and we win two straight. I mean, we never we never really feel like we're out of we're out of something or we're in a bad stretch. I mean, yeah, bad stretches happen, but we have confidence in, in ourselves and remain true to our, our identity. What do you think of your season so far? I mean, obviously, I can't be mad at the season I've had so far. There's always improvements I think I can things I can improve on, but overall I'm, I'm pretty happy with my season. Uh, talk about moving across town and playing at LV Ballpark. I know it's not the first time you played there, but uh, how about the experience of playing at the uh, the AAA Park? Pretty hard to beat. I mean, the environment, the field, the surface. I mean, our field at home is, is a home field advantage for sure, but playing at the ballpark is a different experience. So explain the surface. What does that mean? Uh, as in, like, the playing surface. So the ballpark surface is kind of more – I, I guess a professional surface, whereas our surface at home is kind of, it's kind of rough at times. We've, we've gotten the name, the dirty Earl the park has at least. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it can get rough at times, but uh, it's all good. We're, we're used to it. We love it, but um, definitely playing at the ballparks is, is a, is a great experience for sure. So building on the, the playing surface a little bit, what is it like going on the road? Are there certain places on the road where you're like, oh, this place is awesome. And then other places you're like, oh my God, this is going to be a nightmare. We play, there's a couple of turf fields in our league, so definitely getting used to that, going from a, a real true baseball surface to a turf field is different, but we get used to that pretty quick. And then other there are other fields that we've played at that have been like been pretty rough or vice versa that have been pretty good. So kind of just getting used to each field you go to and comparing that to how we play at home and all that plays a, plays a big part into it. Darian Williams, uh, UNLV baseball players with us. The uh, Rebels are going to be playing at LV Ballpark uh, this weekend, 6 o'clock start tonight, uh, Saturday and Sunday. you got 1 o'clock and uh, noon start. You get tickets at Ticketmaster.com and come out. If you haven't seen the LV Ballpark, it's awesome, and UNLV's having a hell of a season, making a run here at the Mountain West Conference title. They're 17-7 and in conference. So let's talk about where the success started for this season. First of all, you guys have a lot of newcomers, so you got to blend – all those guys in. And I saw Joey Walls in a conversation a couple months ago just talking about the fall and maybe some confidence gained from playing Arizona and Fullerton and kind of a different attitude in terms of hitting approach. Do you agree with that? Was the fall kind of the impetus to get things really going in the right direction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, playing those two schools and kind of, I wouldn't say struggling, but we went through a couple lumps in the fall, which was like was good. I mean, we needed it. And I think it was a good learning tool for to use this season and whatnot so definitely i think the fall helped our fall schedule helped us for sure how about hitting approach 
Um, he had talked about – I mean, he's had a hell of a season. We'll get into his story because you guys are obviously uh, tight, you know, going back more than a few years. But he was mentioning making more contact, especially with, with two strikes. Has that kind of been the attitude of the whole team? Uh, yeah, that's our goal normally. I mean, we tried I – mean, we had really bad strikeout numbers to begin the season, including myself, including, like, up and down our lineup. So, as a team, we just tried to focus on just competing a little more with two strikes, kind of not just giving that bats away and – whatnot i mean competing is our biggest thing we kind of i don't know if he talked to you about that but we have the uh we have our little two strike sign where we kind of tap on our chest to the dugout and that kind of gets the dugout involved with us and makes us compete a little more for the rest of our teammates so i don't know if it's just a mental thing but it definitely helped us i've always found it fascinating over the years like especially major league baseball and i'm sure it's at all levels you know including college when organizations you know, really like their hitting coach or, you know, or they, they bail on their hitting coach. And I've always thought, like, does a hitting coach, does it make that much of a difference? But Kevin Higgins is a guy who's been there. He played at the highest level. So I wanted to talk yeah. about Higgy and kind of his approach and the whole, you know, what he does for you guys from a mechanic standpoint and also mentally. Uh, as far as a mechanic standpoint, he well, we don't really work much on mechanics. It's kind of you're your own hitter, and we're going to work on the mental side to, to get you to be a little or even better hitter. I mean – um, we don't really work too much mechanically. We're more on the mental side. Like I said, it's just at the end of the day, it comes down to competing. And I mean, if you compete in the box for every single pitch you see, it's going to be hard to get every single person out in our lineup. And I think that's what makes our team great. Darian Williams is with us from UNLV baseball. I'm going to put this in a strange way, but you know, from a young age, <laughs> you obviously, you, you know, you know, you're good when you're a little leaguer and then you start moving on. But, when you first start playing for Rancho, like what are you thinking in terms of goals? And by the way, what was the experience of playing baseball at Rancho, going to high school at Rancho? Uh, it was it was cool for sure. I mean, I got to go with a lot of, I guess, childhood friends. We all kind of we got into the magnet magnet program there, and it was an easy way for us to be able to play play together in high school without moving schools or getting a zone variance or whatever. So that experience was cool for sure because I got to play with my my childhood friends that I've been playing with since I was seven eight years old so that experience alone was definitely like eye-opening and um, not life-changing but it was a great experience for sure joey walls got off to an awesome start he's having a really good season so you guys are i'm sure are tight going back to high school i want you to explain to the audience his story because you know unlike you you got to go to unlv you start playing you're successful as a freshman like he had a long haul to get to this level well first thing i would say is it's definitely well deserved he works his butt off all the time um, but yeah, he, I mean, he started out at CSN, definitely had the talent to go D1 out of high school. I would, I would say that, I mean, there were things he needed to work on like everybody else in the game and Juco was just his, his best route, I guess. And it's showing now all his hard work is, is showing. So yeah, definitely he, well he talked about needing to grow up and you guys are a really young team. You know, now you can be a mentor, you're a veteran. What is it like making that jump from high school to college? I think I'm sure a lot of guys are like, oh, it'll be easy, but it's not easy. No, definitely not easy. There's a big learning curve that comes with it. The game definitely speeds up. And, I mean, you're playing grown men. I mean, high school, you're playing kids your age, probably kids that are younger than you, but you're playing grown men. So there's definitely an adjustment and a learning curve to playing at this level. I saw Walls in his bio – said eats really fast or can eat really fast what is what does that even is he is that his other goals to be a professional eater what's going on here he could be with how fast he eats i mean i've never seen anybody eat their food like that I mean, 
it's it's funny to watch but yeah. He he eats like somebody's gonna steal his food. That's what so. I was thinking. Yeah, so I was thinking it's like uh, some people grow up and they're like, hey, whatever, whatever I get, I'm eating this, man. Or or if you have a lot of brothers and sisters and they're starting to pick at your at your food. And Darian Williams is with us. Hawaii's in town, three game set, LV Ballpark, Ticketmaster.com. You want to come out and watch these games? It's gonna be really entertaining. And the Rebels are having an awesome season. Um, I wanted to talk about the the next level. Uh, first of all, growing up, did you have a guy? Did you have an idol? You have someone, a middle infielder? Do you have someone you really loved as a major league baseball player? Definitely. It's been Jeter from day one uh, since I, since I can even remember. It's been Jeter. So, I mean, that was that's my guy growing up. That's still my guy, even though he doesn't play anymore. But that's that's always who it's been. You know, you guys have a chance to kind of establish yourself as like middle infielder you, you know, based on what's happened now with Bryson Stott. I want, I want you to talk about that. Like in terms of inspiration, you guys all want to play at the next level. For Bryson to, to get drafted as high as he did and then make it this quickly has got to be inspiring. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, having him uh, my freshman year kind of as a mentor and being able to show me the ropes, I guess. My freshman year was definitely big for me, and I'm thankful for that as the opportunity or whatever. But definitely having him and seeing him move up as fast as he did is kind of inspiring in a way. Obviously, we all want to get there, so that's the goal at the end of the day. Darian Williams with us. All right, let's close out on this. Very, very important. First of all, before we talk about Hawaii, I got the snitch that uh, after some of your wins, uh, do you guys host barbecues? Or is, your, is your dad a barbecue guy? Or you guys order out? What do you do? Um, so after our weekend like sweeps yeah. we've gotten this these, this year, we've uh, kind of, uh, I guess, adopted this barbecue thing we do after every series sweep. Every, every weekend, it's somebody new. My dad has done it a couple of times. The Charmin's dad have done it a couple of times. So there's dads that have been helping out. And basically just some something to bring us together, a little camaraderie, keep the family together, and keep us rolling, hopefully. So the so. important question there is, is order out or is someone cooking? <laughs> Someone's cooking, for sure. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's, what's uh, the specialty in the uh, Williams household? There's a lot, but barbecue's for sure one, so I'm going to go with ribs. That's Really? That's his, yeah, that's that's been a, a go-to for my whole life. And oh, wow dad's whole life as well our family actually makes uh barbecue sauce we have really yeah so the secret recipe so to say so okay uh wish i could get you a bottle i i, I could try <laughs> but uh definitely something definitely something you need to try so let me get you some barbecue sauce is this something that is this something the family would like to actually are you guys selling it somewhere yeah it, not right now we have and it was kind of over quarantine we started it a little bit yeah but it's not we're not too serious with it right now, but it's been a family recipe in my family for probably 30, 40 years. Really? So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's been uh, past a couple generations. With the ribs, is he, is he, uh, you know, is he a smoke guy? Is that what he does? He smokes them first. He throws them on the barbecue yeah. after that. Smoker, big smoker guy first. And yeah. then he'll, he'll take care of them on the barbecue. Is this something you aspire to? Can you cook at all? Most of my cooking I've learned from both of my parents. So, I mean, I could cook, but not to their level yet. <laughs> um, I've tried the ribs a couple times. A couple times they haven't turned out too good, but I'm I'm getting better. All right, you're trying. Yeah, do you do you have a special? You're like you know what? I've, I'm going to make this. I'm good at this. I make a good breakfast skillet if that counts. Of course it counts. <laughs> Believe me, there's there's a lot of guys. Our specialty is like toast. That's it. Toast and like EB and J. That's it's all we got. Um, all right, Hawaii, Hawaii's coming up. You played them once early in the season, right? So what do we expect from Hawaii? What kind of team are they? They're a good team. I mean, they're scrappy. They're going to play together, and they're going to put pressure on our defense. They're, most of their lineup is fast. 
So we're going to have to play good defense, sound defense, and pitch really well and continue to do what we've been doing at the plate. Well, congrats on the success. Hopefully, uh, you know, this this run at the end of the season, you got, what, nine games left. You guys uh, close out with a strong record. And then I guess the goal is you got you got to win the Mountain West Conference and then get to the tournament, right? Yep, that's the goal. All right, Darian. So, thank you again for having me. There he is, one of the stars of UNLV baseball, E. Darian Williams, having a monster season again, leading the team in triples. Three games set on the way, folks. LV Ballpark is the site. First game tonight at 6.05. Saturday and Sunday games as well, 105 and noon starts. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Get out here tonight. Great Friday night to watch baseball. Making you feel comfortable. High fly ball. Deep left center on the run is Zimmer. And he's going to look up. See ya. A game-tying home run for Joey Gallo. Swung on and hit in the air to right center. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the LV Ballpark. Yeah, we were just talking to Darian Williams, hometown hero, playing at UNLV. Going to get his chance in minor league baseball to uh, make a run at the bigs. You hear Joey Gallo. A couple of dongs there. You notice we don't play the old Joey, baby, like all the time now. Why? It hasn't been great for Joey Gallo <laughs> in New York. I thought he would reach the next level, turn into a megastar, close down that big gap between him and Bryce Harper. I get to tell uh, Wally Backman down the road to shut the hell up. If you remember, years ago, you remember it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, before uh, Bryce was just getting into the majors and Chris Bryant and Gallo were on the way, and I said between the three of them, I'm like, yeah, Gallo's going to be the all-time home run guy amongst those three. And uh, Backman laughed at me. So He said it was going to be Bryant. He actually said it was going to be Bryant. He did. And Gallo's hit a lot of home runs, but he just hasn't gotten it all set where he can hit you know, 250, 260. And he's since, your guy. He's, since he's gone to New York, it's just been a real struggle. This year, 188, three homers, four RBI. And really going back to last year, it's been, it's been rough, man. He's hitting 167. He's just whiffing a whole bunch. And – you know, while you have time, they have time in Texas to, you know, you can go out there and hit, you know, 201 with a bunch of home runs. In, in New York, you know, there's going to be someone nipping at your heels. And it's been rough. And it's, it seems to have gotten worse recently. And I saw a good story up on CBS Sports. A um, couple of things. One, has the shift just killed him? Like, that everyone's using the shift. Like, and I actually think it's down a little bit this year. But the numbers are like, you know. Two years ago, it was 96% of the time they put the shift on him. Last year, it was 95. This year, it's 94. It hasn't, it hasn't <laughs> changed that much. And the other thing is, analytics are trying to figure out with the soft balls that Bobby Manfred has put into baseball, like how much has it affected guys who are dudes who go launch angle and hit bombs? And they think it, you know, it may have affected Gallo as much as anyone. Well, good news for him. They'll probably change it because that's what they always do. Which – that was the thing in the story that got me, is that, well, the balls could change, you know, any day now. And I'm like, I, I, how do, what sport operates like this? <laughs> I know. Well, they just alter the equipment. It's, it's, like, four years it's like the vital piece of equipment. Can you imagine? We're just going to change the football for the first third of the season or, you know, golf balls, are, golf balls actually do change, but it's a big deal when they change over the years with technology. USFL it, it, just did it after week one. What'd they do? They changed the ball. Okay. Did they did they keep it? How do you know that they didn't keep it secret? No, they talked about it. Okay. Baseball baseball's talked about it. They they just don't they don't publicize it. It's really weird. It's crazy, man. It's really weird, and people don't freak out about it. But they they do it. You know, the subtle change. You know, this is something. By the way, it's it's weird. You know who told me about this like 
five months ago. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember exactly how the conversation came up, but our our friend Derek Stevens actually was like, "They changed the ball. It's going to be a bunch of unders this year. Look out for it." He brought it. He actually good, brought it. Good a thing ball. he knew because I actually was asking JVT yesterday, and I don't think I got to it with Brad Powers, but I was asking John. I'm like, "Doesn't baseball owe in their deals, their partnerships? Don't they owe the info? Like they have to give it to all the sports books so they know ahead of time. You're, th- these guys are going to be out there playing with mushy balls. No, <laughs> they they this is inside the NBA. They do." Not as bad. But here's here's the thing about it's weird about baseball. Like that's publicly avail- publicly available information. It's out there. They talk about it. Just so few people care that it's not like blown up all over there. It's not national headlines, it's not, you know, major news and all the blogs, everything like that. It's just like, oh yeah, they're changing the ball again, okay. And they it's just kind of a you know, it's it's just the everyday news that you don't you don't even pay attention to or keep track of, but it does make major differences. And in uh, USFL, uh they they had a bunch of chips and like different uh, weights in the ball, and the players were like you can't kick, it was throwing you things can't off. Kick it, you can't throw yeah. it, you can't yeah. kick it. It's weird, so they changed it. You know the uh, they did it in college basketball too. Yeah, where they had the tracker and actually there was a that was kind of a dead spot on the ball, so you'd be dribbling it and players were like, okay, yeah, there's a dead spot here. So in in the end, what was Manfred trying to accomplish? You you just want you know, let's have Joey Gallo go up there like Pete Rose or Rod Carew choke up and just you know slap the ball to the left side. Is that what we want? Yeah, why not? We all have to. Uh, everyone's got to. I mean, that, and that's the that's the chance. So every year, the pitchers and the hitters have to adjust to the new equipment. I think just find a ball and stick with it. Yes, <laughs> that seems like seems like the way to go. And like, who thought there were too many home runs? Well, people that thought the games were too long. The same people. Oh, so that you think that's really the reason? Yeah, this is another part of the effort to quicken the game. One hundred percent. Oh God. Yeah. Why are we trying to placate people? If you're in a hurry, don't watch. <laughs> exactly. Or have multiple games on like I do, and I'm sure you do. And like, who cares? Of it, it's it's. If insane. you watch sports and you're worried about the length of the games, you're not the fans that they need to appeal to. Actually, you probably are. Because the the people that care, like you think like that us you are going to watch no matter what. You think the so you think their demo fifty four plus males, they're like. Oh, man. These extra ten minutes—it's killing me. No, they're trying, I, to me. It's, they don't it, want it's, that demo. It's, it's the same. It's just okay. Maybe well, maybe that's it. That's it. That—that's exactly what it is. This is by the so way. So we're trying is, to appeal to twenty-two-year-olds who aren't going to watch baseball if the game is three hundred five or two fifty-six or three forty. Well, they're hoping they will. But I, I don't know why I went to three forty. Yeah, they're hoping they will. Uh, that, that's, well, good luck. That's yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I, I don't think that's the way to appeal to them. I I don't know what's going to appeal to them. Maybe make your product more available to people. Uh, but I, I feel like. The that's that's the hope because you know this is something we've talked about in, in MMA forever and you know there's an MMA card this week and then we'll get we'll get into maybe but the we've talked about the fact that the people that are that care about MMA and that watch it and are going to pay attention to it are going to pay attention to it no matter what every single card they're going to buy it, it they're, no matter who's on the card no matter what you put on the card they're buying it so those people don't matter and as much as you'd like to think hey that's your that's your target demo. For baseball, your target demo is old whites. Old whites are your target demo. They're watching no matter what. It doesn't matter what you do. So they, they don't matter. Well, let's build on your MMA point. We'll come back in just a few. R.J. Clifford, MMA expert, also host of the Autumn Windbags. Big Raiders guy is up on Cofield and Company. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. 
Rolling on at the ballpark, LV Ballpark. UNLV is going to be taking on Hawaii in just a little bit. There's a UFC card. Adam Hill is with us. And, of course, uh, now this is his his downtime. Raiders starting to slow down, although they, the president, they, they have made an announcement today. Dan Ventrelli is leaving, so I guess it never slows down. But uh, Adam's actually going to UFC in Phoenix. We wanted to talk a little UFC 274. Phoenix or Glendale? Phoenix. Phoenix, okay. RJ Clifford is all over the beat as he does radio for SiriusXM as an MMA expert. He's also a uh, big Raiders guy and gives us a couple minutes on a Friday. RJ, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? Yeah, I like how like, you don't say I cover the Raiders, but I'm more than a Raiders fan. I'm kind of in that weird gray area, right? So I'm just a Raiders guy. Um, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. You know, we have people come on and say we a lot. So I, I just, if you want to say we, you say we. But otherwise, I'm trying to trying to throw you out there as a Raiders expert. The Autumn Windbags is a very hardcore, very by the way, very composed podcast. And you guys never get worked up or yell at each and other. Congratulations to you guys, RJ. What happened? Well, thank you. Yeah, we uh, what one what just did. Uh, we released our 100th episode yesterday. Oh, nice. And, uh, nice. So we gave away our little awards, and um, one of the awards went to. Adam Hill, because he told the story of how he got beat up in the black hole when the Bills played there years ago. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so we had to bring it back. I'm sure That's... he's told the story on this airwaves multiple times. Oh, well, he, t- he told it in real time, like right after it happened. It was, <laughs> it was one of the greatest stories ever. And, uh, and I actually got to see the proof because the, the bruise on the back of his leg was massive. He got freaking <laughs> booted hard by some lunatic in the black hole. So let's get to the Raiders in a second here. Uh, let's preview UFC 274. I guess the, the story now is the main event. What the hell happened with uh, the champ and missing weight? So, yes, that's exactly what happened. He came in a half pound, uh, half pound over. And in Arizona, you have one hour to um, continue cutting weight and you can actually make the weight. He came in a half pound. And so, um, you know, every pound you lose, the closer you get to your weight is harder. Right. So he's already cut, you know, 15, 20 pounds, whatever it is. And so you think, oh, half pounds, that's, you know, just pee that out. You're fine. You're fine. No, it's the most grueling half pound to cut. And so he came back and didn't lose an ounce. He still came back a half pound overweight. So now he will be stripped of his title, Charles Oliveira, when he steps into the octagon against Justin Gaethje. If Gaethje wins, he becomes the lightweight champion. If Oliveira wins, the title is vacant. Um, This is an unprecedented thing for the UFC. um, And it's a very weird situation. Now to make it even weirder, a couple of other fighters on the card have tweeted out that the scale that they use in the back to test your weight before you go to the main scale, they didn't jive. They were two different weights. Justin Gaethje saying, nope, that's BS. Mine was fine. When I weighed in in the back, it was the same as what I weighed in there. This is the fifth time Charles Oliveira has missed weight in the UFC, albeit the other four times were when he was at 145. So a lot of chaos here in Phoenix. How how much do you – it has been mostly Brazilian fighters that have said they thought the scale was off, right? Yes, all Brazilian fighters. So, I mean, it's possible. Like, it's not completely insane to think that, but it doesn't really seem to add up with what everybody else is saying here. Well, again, the, there's tw- there's 28 fighters on the card. 26 of them made weight, no problem. So, <laughs> right. if, it's, if it's that big – and, again, it's the guy that this is his fifth time making missing weight in the UFC. So, it's – it's hard to have a leg to stand on. But on the, on the flip side, though, Adam, and you know very well, there is no level of incompetency I cannot put past right. a state athletic commissioner. So you're just saying a state athletic commissioner screwed up royally. It's like, I'm listening. Go ahead. Probably yeah. happen. Especially Arizona. Uh, definitely yep. possible. Um, what, I mean, how would you kind of read into this fight now, especially if you're kind of looking at it from a betting perspective? The motivation seems to be kind of gone from Oliveira. 
Motivation? I don't know. I, I, he looked he looked physically bigger during fight week. I think he's trying to turn himself in a little bit more of a knockout artist. Now, he, for those who don't know, he's <laughs> one good. of the most dazzling submission artists in mixed martial arts history. Like he's off, there's there's better pure jujitsu guys in the UFC, but as far as just catching submissions anywhere, he's arguably the best right now. Arguably the best ever. Um, so he looked a little bit bigger. Motivation? Did he like not train hard? I, I wouldn't go that far. As far as a, as a betting line, Justin Gaethje, he made weight right away during that two-hour window and then um, immediately started rehydrating. So he was he tweeted out he was already up like to 168 when he weighed in at 155. That was three hours later while Charles Oliveira had just started rehydrating. So he has a three-hour head start in rehydrating getting better. Um, and Charles Oliveira had not one but two weight cuts. So that's the part I would look at betting-wise more than like you know motivation of Oliveira. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of times we talk about motivation when guys miss of, like, they didn't train hard. I just mean it from a standpoint of, like, you arrive with the belt, you have no chance of leaving with the belt. That's weird. It's nuts. It's nuts. I, I want to know, does he still get his pay-per-view points Yeah. if he's not fighting as a champion? I mean, that's seven figures I have a guess. that he just lost for half a pound. Yeah, he, <laughs> I have Adam, a guess. Adam no. said he has a guess. Really? Is that the way the UFC <laughs> operates? Is that what you're saying? Okay. I would guess no. Um, I saw the weight-cutting issues uh, this morning. Actually, it was Gamblue who uh, sent it out. And I bet uh, Gaethje, am I an idiot? He's, uh, I got him at plus 145. Love it. Okay. Love it. Um, I th- did that, how much did the line move since the weight miss? Uh, I, well, I, I saw it was, it was tweeted out at plus 155. When I went to bed, it was plus 145. I haven't looked at it in the last couple of minutes. Adam will check it out here. What else is uh, super intriguing on this card? Um, well, you've obviously had the co-main event, which is the uh, strawweight championship between Carlos Spars and the champ Rosenamunis. This is a rematch from the very first strawweight championship uh, in the UFC. Um, Rose is a minus 225 favorite, big favorite. Carlos Spars only has one way to win, and it's to wrestle and take her down. She needs at least a takedown in each of the three rounds and hold her down to win. Um, but Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson is the action fight. Michael Chandler is the biggest favorite on the main card at minus 335. And this is a like Tony Ferguson was arguably the best fighter in the UFC to not win a title for a period of time. He's lost three in a row, and it looked like after his fight with Justin Gaethje, he got knocked down and not the same man anymore. And now he's going against one of the hardest punchers huh. in the division. So um, it could be it could be night night for Tony Ferguson and a big uh, and a big win for Chandler. Um, Shogun Hua and Ovin St. Peru, for whatever reason, they're doing that rematch. Obviously, Shogun's Shogun's a legend. And it might be the last fight for Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, he's fighting Joe Lozon on the main card as well. So if you're uh, a big fan of Cowboy, like he, ha- like you know, like many people are, this may be the last chance you see him ride. I I, I did see that Gaethje's down to about plus one ten. Uh, you can get it as high as plus wow. one twenty in some yeah. spots, but definitely some movement on that fight. Uh, what do you make uh, on just on, the last thing on that fight for me is Gaethje has said he is all offense all the time. We know that's how he fights. But he has changed his style a little bit, and he said he was way too cautious his first title fight against Khabib. Now he said, you know what? I'm going back to me. I'm going to go you know, full full steam ahead, all offense in this fight. Is that the right strategy, and do you believe him? So he's been with his coach Trevor Whitman for a long time, and there's that one point after he lost his two fights where he said, all right, Trevor, I'm going to buy into your style. Like huh. you said, he's he's already, he's arguably the most exciting fighter in UFC history. I mean, John Anik put it best when he said that the, it should be called the non-Justin Gaethje fight of the year. Otherwise, Gaethje's going to win it every single year and no one has a chance. I mean, he's he's that kind of guy. Um, his fighting style, I mean, off- offensively, like, 
this is like the worst type of fight for him to be reckless in because Charles Oliveira, like I said, is he, he can catch you anywhere. If, if he's on, if he catches Justin Gaethje's back, it's a wrap. He's choked out. If he's caught in a scramble, he's probably getting tapped out. I mean, if he just fought a disciplined kickboxing style, I think eventually Charles Oliveira is going to wilt under it. So no, like that, I, I, I don't know if I believe him because this is the most, cons- the most conservative game plan. Like this is the last guy you want to get reckless with. I got to throw in a goofy question back to Oliveira with the weight cut. Um, obviously, I haven't been around the events as much as you guys recently. Do they have like a uh, like a weigh-in curtain now? It looked like they had. I mean, has that been around for like five years? But they, they I don't know. They had this like really like looked super official instead of it, it, instead no, it of, looks like instead uh, of people holding towels around the fighters. I'll tell you, it looks like, it's like the, a little dressing room. No, it looks like the Halloween outfit of the, that Cobra Kai guys are wearing. I think the the okay. shower curtain guys are wearing okay. and, and Karate Kid. I think that's how you best describe <laughs> well, it. That's a major advance in the sport, RJ. The, the technology is always evolving. People <laughs> see the fights are evolving. The offense is getting better, but just, man, new age. It's like, you know, it's 20, 2050 already here. At the Remind me, who was, wasn't there some creep holding the towel for a Misha Tate weight cut and they, they got him on camera like peeking over the towel? Do you guys remember that? It's happened more than Yeah, more. the Gina Carano one, too. Oh, Carano, that's years right. Years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it happens. And so now they've uh, they tried to clean that up a little bit with yeah. the uh, with the little sin bin box that they got for fighters who are, might be over. Well, speaking of cleaning up, I don't know what's going on, if it's cleaning up or a disagreement or something bad is coming. What's your read, host of the Autumn Windbags and Raider guy, uh, R.J. Clifford, on Dan Ventrelli, the, the president, leaving the organization? I mean, it's just one more weird thing in that front office after another, right? When like half the front office, um, you know, left or got fired or, you know, so like few details that came out of what happened there. Um, and then now, yeah, Dave Ziegler taking, taking you know, the president position. Um, there's There's been some anarchy up there in the front office. And we haven't really gotten, I don't know, maybe maybe Adam and the rest of the beat writers are uh, maybe no more than they're allowed to say. Or maybe, uh, or maybe there's everyone super tight-lipped, but... It's been so weird up there with so many people fired, getting fired, leaving, um, and I guess it didn't take Dave Ziegler long to go from GM to uh, you know to get to get promoted. It's, I, I don't I don't know what's going on, and it and it worries me because everything's going so well in Raider Nation. We got Devonte Adams, and we just went to the playoffs, and everything on the field's looking great. And then who knows who's going to be in charge of everything? It's weird. They because of Adams, they didn't have a first or second round pick. Did you you know really like one of the picks they made? I like the strategy. I mean, that, that, that to me was more important. I mean, when you're starting with the third round pick, and you only have six picks. Um, it's, it's hard to get like overall excited about it. Like it's always funny. You see the draft grades. It's like, how do you compare the Raiders draft to like the jets or giants, like guys with like three first round picks. It's like, you can't, it's tomatoes, tomatoes. But uh, I liked how like every, every GM and coach says they're going to go best guy available. I feel like that's what they actually did. And and this is the rare time for the I can't remember the last time the Raiders had like no gaping holes in their roster. Like, you know, last year they had to get a right tackle. They had to get a safety. Um, they, they just had to, like, fill holes in their roster with the draft this time. Like there's obviously weaknesses and there's depth needed on this roster, but there's no gaping hole. So they can just go, yeah, let's get a couple running backs, get a bunch of linemen, you know, get some depth going. I, that's what I liked more was the, the best player available. No crazy reaches. It just you could tell John Gruden's been gone. I got 30 seconds left, RJ. So they drafted two running backs. They signed even more. Does Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, one or the other, maybe both, do they make it to the finish line? Are they on this roster, or could they be looking to move one of them out? 
Well, they didn't extend Josh Jacobs um, for his first fifth-year extension, so he's going to be done after this season. He's now fighting for uh, fighting for a new job. Kenyon Drake, he's obviously going to be he's on a two-year deal, and it's the second part of his two-year deal. So they're they're both going to be gone. I'm I'm pretty calm. They're both going to be gone. Um, Josh McDaniels doesn't have like a bell cow running back. He likes to have multiple running backs with multiple specialties, and so I think we're going to see that in our in our running back room. Uh, close out with this. What do you got in terms of coverage this weekend? What are you working on around the event? Uh, I'll be working quick hits. It's all the social stuff um, during the live event at UFC 274. So check that out on YouTube, Instagram. Uh, it's all over the place. And uh, Autumn Windbags, wherever you can uh, get your podcasts. You're the man. See you. There he is. RJ Clifford. At RJ Clifford MMA, Autumn Windbags Podcast. How'd that go yesterday? Weren't you on it yesterday or the day before? No, they uh, they put out award. They they like replayed old things. Oh, I saw a picture of you. I thought you uh, you did uh, some sort of live spot. With no, it's just their award. Their their what past was the best awards. story of the year. Adam Hill of the hundred episodes because the first hundred. Wow. Yeah. What a lofty award. I was honored. <laughs> UNLV baseball first pitch here at LV Ballpark against Hawaii. It's coming up at six oh five. RJ, we let him off the hook there. I don't know about gaping hole, but there's some openings for the Raiders at linebacker and at cornerback. We'll address some of the uh, scuttlebutt around the cornerback position in the football frenzy.